0: Hey everyone! Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Dr. Sammy Wanoni, who is the founder of Merge Twin Cities, bringing cultures together to create positive change in Minnesota and beyond. And in part one, Sammy shared how, he'd never been able to speak English, he was touched by the Holy Spirit and instantly spoke the King's English. Now, welcome back to the Who Podcast. I'm Simon Osmo and I share stories that will educate, inform and inspire you to live a life of significance. But before we get into today's episode, if you get value from this content, Please don't forget to subscribe to be notified every time I release a new and inspiring video. And if you're someone who likes to watch the videos, head on over to YouTube where you can watch this and all my other past content, simply at Simon Osmo. And if you're someone who likes Twitter, I have a very active Twitter community. Again, same tagline, at Simon Osmo. Now today, Sammy shares more of his experiences as a man of colour, emigrating to America, and how he's now perceived back home in America. He's going to share insight with you as to what it's like having a multicultural family here in America. Now will you please join me as we dive into this week's podcast with Dr. Sammy Winoni. I've strayed in, Sammy, now to some content about your your time here in America. So Mm -hmm. with me being a black English guy and you, I guess, technically now you're African-American.
1: Technically, (laughs) I am African-American.
0: You are (laughs) African-American. So so I've got it, yeah. So let's talk about some of your experiences. So you arrived here as a a black man from East Africa. Correct. uh, You know, a very small, um, humble um, beginnings uh, where you sort of got your master's, um, you know, you got your doctorate. What are some of your experiences like being a, a sort of black man in America, particularly when you first arrived? Maybe let's, let's start there, Sammy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had, uh, I had uh, you know, multiple experiences. Um, for one, when you're new in a place, you know, there's so much stuff happening and things moving so fast. that Sometimes, you, you know, you, you, you miss out on details of what is going on. And only in hindsight do you look back and go, oh wow, what was that? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, right now I do have the gift of hindsight uh, after having been here for over 20 years now. But when I first arrived as a Black man, you know, arriving in, in America for the first time, I had certain expectations. I, you know, f- looking at America from a distance, you know, there was always this thinking that, you know, everybody has a gun in the street and, you know, what we see in the movies. Yes. Yeah. Um. Then I, I got here and I realized um it, it's not, it's that's for the movies. It's not reality. And so I had to quickly adjust. And then, you know, when I first arrived, Minnesota was pretty white. Um, There were not many, you know, people of color um, and still largely today, but you know, it's, it's it's increasingly more diverse. Yeah, I think now. still now,
0: just to interject, Sammy, I, mean, I think it's, it's still less than like three percent of the population here is is sort of you know, black yeah, think, or foreign.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I think for minister I mean it's, it's increasingly diverse mm. now. Uh and and you know, which is part of the reason in fact we started merge twin cities because yeah. uh there is uh about, you know, thirty percent of the twin cities population, for example, over thirty percent, you know, they are uh people of diverse, you yeah. know, backgrounds. But um at that point it wasn't as much as as diverse, um, and you know, coming in from Africa, it you know, I expected that, uh, but at the same time, it's still you know uh, a little bit different. Uh, being in this context where you are the one guy standing out, uh, and so there was always this sensitivity, you know, also, you know, to to my environment. Uh, I had you know, kids in in school uh, who were curious about, you know, of course me and whether uh, i saw things the same way um i remember sitting across you know the table from this young lady uh you know during one of my lunch hours and and she came sat on the other end and and you know and and she engaged me in conversation which i appreciated a lot um because you know i was i was still new and not a whole lot knowing Uh, but as she was talking to me then she began to cry she's like you know it's so different you know uh talking to you uh i i, I realized you know i've always been told that black people are these and black people are these and black people are these and, and then talking to you uh, i realized that you know it's it's not the case and she was crying mm-hmm. um and i was surprised you know i wasn't expecting her to be crying and and uh, i i didn't know what i didn't know the details of what she had been told as a kid. Um, and, and in fact, I was shocked because I'm thinking, of course, uh, a black person even in America is different from a black person in Africa mm-hmm. because they're two different cultures. And so here yeah. to this young lady, uh, she, there was this generalization, generalized thinking that, you know, uh, all black people are the same and I'm um, talking to this one. And so they are all good. Uh, or rather I'm getting a different impression from what I was told. Um, but I know from experience and from reality that, you know, uh, people are, are different, you know, and it's, it has nothing to do with the color of our skin and all of that. Um, we each have our own uniqueness and our own individuality. Uh, so that initial experience was a little bit, you know, surprising and shocking to me. Uh, and then I remember being at this one church and, uh, you know my very first church i went to uh you know i went there the first sunday and nobody really came to talk to me much you know and then the second sunday i went back and and still you know at the end of the service you know i was just kind of standing there by myself and i you know i'm i'm the only black guy you know yeah. kid in the room uh the third sunday i went back and you know i had this uh, this guy come up to me and he said you know um it's it's good to to have you here but but you know what we have we have uh Other churches in the inner city uh, where you might be, you know, more comfortable. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I go to that black church, or yeah. Yeah, yeah, what, they, what are you doing here? Just making yeah. sure you're in the right place. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're there, eating cucumber uh, sandwiches and drinking English tea and stuff there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, so that was, uh, that was, it shocked me for one, uh, because I was thinking, I, I'm not here because I'm looking for blackness. I'm here because I'm looking for Christ. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Christ, uh, it's our identity in Christ that binds binds us together. Uh, And so right away, I realized that, you know, there is uh, uh, There are certain things, you know, racial things that, mm. that are going through people's minds that for me at that point, it wasn't a, a, a conscious yes. thing that I was yeah. going through. Mm. Uh, and, but then from then, I also kind of decided intentionally uh, that I'm going to cross the barriers and I'm yeah. going to reach out. And so the next time I was in, I was actually going out looking for the people. I, I realized that nobody was going to come to me. I'm going to go, yeah. you know, and I'm going to reach out.
0: And it's interesting to say it because very similar when I grew up in England in a very sort of white middle class area, and I think there were some days honestly I wouldn't even know I was black if someone would say <laughs> you know they'd call me black. I'm like, who are they talking who about? What? Talking talking yeah, yeah. And it's, so so it is it is those narratives in your own perception, isn't it? But, exactly. you know, but You know, God didn't create different nationalities; He just created Christ followers. So you know, it's mm. interesting how it comes about. And and I think the key word in that is like narrative that we're hearing. Yeah, it's a very common buzzword right now. But with well, that girl has you know, she'd been given a different sort of narrative. But an interesting play maybe, um, Sammy, is What did your family think about when you came to America. I mean, were you, even back in maybe the sort of the 90s when this was, were they saying, oh, Sammy, you've changed. You're, you're different now. You've become an American. I mean, how did you, did you have any barriers between friends and family back in Africa uh, against your new life here in the US?
1: Well, uh, obviously, you know, there were changes. Uh, when I first came, you know, the cell phone wasn't, uh, you know, easy. And, and for two years, I didn't really communicate with people back in Africa. Mm. Um, There was no way of doing that. I had no money. I had nothing. And phone calls were too expensive uh, to make. We didn't have uh, email readily. Um, And so I never, there was, you know, I wrote a letter maybe once or twice to communicate that I arrived safely and things were were moving okay. Uh, And so those two years of being isolated uh, before I eventually went back, you know, um, at first, I didn't realize I had changed a lot until I went back uh, after the two years and then I experienced this reverse culture shock. Uh, for one, when you have moved, you know, you don't realize it, oh, you're not consciously thinking about it, but people are changing and you are changing, you know, unconsciously. And so when you meet, there has to be this process of reorientation. Uh, And so when I went back the first time after those two years, I realized, hey, I have to re-enter. And they also realized that they had to quickly readjust to me and they were telling me I had changed. I was like, i didn't realize that so yeah
0: yeah and that is interesting because um you know just that concept of having to change to the the environment it just does sort of show that there's strong strong cultural things that go on mm-hmm. in our life about the environment yep. that we might not see and i know that um, i spoke to a few people in australia you know a big sort of multi melting pot there and they say you know i could be an italian australian but when i go to italy and they say you're not italian and then I'm in mean, Australia and say you're not Australian, Incorrect. you know. And it was a, a gentleman I spoke to who's from Lebanon and moved to Australia when he was eight or nine. Maybe similar, but it was sort of journey to you. And he says But you know I have I'm sort of trapped between these two identities because uh-huh. no one will really recognise yeah. who I am. So it is it is fascinating. It and is. what about relationships as well? I mean, very much you know me and you could be brothers, Sammy. We're really, <laughs> we really could. We're similar similar life, you know. But my wife is also you know white. Uh, your your wife is white. Yeah. What about never mind this sort of the American perception? Maybe a different angle. Yeah. what was the perception of friends and family back in Kenya and the rest of Africa that you married a, a white woman how did how did it, that yeah. go down uh,
1: you know I mean I've, I've never thought about it too seriously but I know that it's uh, changes people's perception. Uh, because visually they realize you know that they, it kind of there's this consciousness that you know I, there must be some barriers and so they they, they have to navigate those differences uh, and those adjustments. And I think naturally for my family you know that was sort of a part of the experience. Now uh, they 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 were excited you know that you know I was getting married. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and of course they, they understood that I was in a different environment and my re- social relationships had taken me in a different direction uh to you know to meet you know this girl that was a, a different dress from my own and uh, and then finding our common identity in Christ and then you know growing together uh, in this relationship that eventually leads to marriage. Um, but, you know, as, as as with any family, there is always adjustments to make. Uh, but in our case, of course, you know, just being the fact that I had grown up in Africa and and she's grown up in America, um, you know, there is, there's a big difference there, a huge gap. Now, I had the advantage of having been in America already for over 10 years at that point uh, when we were getting married. And so I understood the culture well. Uh, but my wife hadn't lived... Lived in Africa. Um, now she had been, you know, a short-term missionary here and there, but she hadn't lived in Africa, and so she had to adjust significantly. Yeah, to me, and even when we journeyed to Africa, uh, I realized that you know we had to take a slower pace than yeah. <laughs> than I was used to, um, and she had to adjust quite a bit. Uh, you know, in in engaging with the culture and the people and the communities and and the family, uh, those family dynamics.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because, like I said, I'm, I keep joking that me and you could be brothers. We're very similar, but but there's a real mindset to a lot of this because even with my wife, I think here in the US the term is you're in a biracial relationship. Is what, I, is what we sort of um, say. You know, it's like <laughs> which we, which we don't think consciously no, no, about. No, but we don't. Yeah, just, yeah, and, and, yeah I think, I, and I think that's when me and you just say the same. I'm like, what? Well, I just my wife is my, my wife. wife yeah. my children, my children, and. Maybe other people make more of a big deal about this than, than what we do, but I think but there's a real mindset, like I said, surrounding understanding maybe the type of people me and you are. But it doesn't bother us; it doesn't faze mm-hmm. us. This it's is great. just us and our relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, and I guess having the American turn, the biracial children and stuff as well. I mean, have you sort of come across any issues or obstacles with your with your children? I mean, where where do they relate most to to be um, African American? Chaps in the middle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, at this point, you know, they're still l- little. And so, uh, you know, my oldest is 10 and, you know, the next one is nine and, and five. Um, and so th- they're beginning, of course, to wrestle with their own question of identity, uh, who they are. Uh, I remember, you know, like my my youngest, you know, we asked him, you know, what's what what color are you? He's like, I'm white, you know. And you ask my other one, what color are you? You know, oh, I'm I'm black, and or I'm brown, you know. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and so they're kind of wrestling through all of these experiences, yeah. um, uh, kind of trying to discover their own identity in the process. Uh, but in terms of you know just uh, uh, them knowing you know who they are, at least in our in our home in our family, uh, I think the steady environment and the security that they find in in the parents uh, provides great. A foundational reality for them and so they relate with people from all sides uh, of course our neighborhood is largely it's mainly white you know they're the one we're the one uh, multicultural family in the neighborhood Um, everybody else is pretty much white except actually just uh, two weeks ago we had a neighbor move in oh there you uh, go you know uh, and they are you know um, an interracial marriage as well you know Nigerian and American so now we have two families that are actually neighbors uh, which is fascinating you're taking
0: over Sammy that's what
1: yeah, so uh so I'm curious, you know, to to get to know my neighbor mm-hmm. from that perspective. But um my kids are very comfortable in any environment. You know, we we engage with a lot of the African community in the Twin Cities uh, and of course we live in a very white neighborhood as well and whichever way we go, they are very comfortable. You know, they eat food from all places and all uncles and they love it. You know, mm-hmm. they love the African food that I make in their home and um, and they love the, you know, all the Italian and German and everything else. And in, uh, you know, so they, they are very they are very blessed yeah. uh, to to have a very global perspective and they are eager to learn other languages. You know, they're trying to learn English. I mean, as French, they are trying to learn Swahili and uh, and so sometimes I confuse them and speak different other languages because wow. I speak five languages. Yeah, oh, wow. uh,
0: so, so then I struggle with English. <laughs> <laughs> Same with listeners to my podcast. <laughs> but and um, what about yeah. you know when we sort of look at you know immigrants that come to America, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I call myself one of those. It seems a bit strange to sort of say that, but yeah. but they can be you know we're where we are in 2020 with George Floyd and race relations, there's a lot of a lot of deep conversations going on mm-hmm. right now, but of, I think there's there needs to be more of a general understanding that most immigrants that come to the us are very blessed in the opportunities that it provides and i mean i would say both me and you are from very poor humble um backgrounds you mostly just trump me there on on the the poverty <laughs> scale sammy but you know but, but i guess what does america afforded you sammy that you wouldn't have had in africa uh, well i you know i
1: think uh, for one you know i count my true wealth as being you know, a follower of Christ and uh, in engaging with, you know, the American church for me, it's been a huge blessing. For one, it broadened my own spiritual understanding uh, and gave me a deeper uh, knowledge and wisdom and, and uh, broadening of my Christian journey. Uh, and, and for me, that's the truest wealth uh, you know my relationship with God, and and God hasn't changed. Uh, He's, He's only expanded my understanding of Him through this engagement with the American Christians. Um, and of course, the generosity in the American churches is, is tremendous. Um, not that there there isn't inter- generosity in the African context, because there is. Uh, and many times people sacrifice their 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 their, their last meal, you know, to uh, to be a blessing you know, mm-hmm. but but I've also seen that great generosity here in the church, and that has been a tremendous blessing. Uh, but in, in you know, uh, just in, at a personal level, um, of course, you know, right now living in a very middle, living a very middle-class life, uh, it's day and night from my environment where I grew up, um, you know, having a beautiful home, a beautiful wife, um, you know, i I have food at my table abundance, uh, compared to when I grew up. And, and then sometimes I, I, you know, I look at, uh, the people still going through some of the villages uh, back in the villages, you know, in Africa and, and the scarcity and all of that. And I go, you know, God, I'm, I'm really blessed and I'm grateful for being here in America. Now, of course, uh, in the midst of the blessing, I want to be a blessing as well. So I have initiatives that I have in Africa uh, to be a blessing to that village, you know, whether it's helping with the school, uh, helping, you know, uh, extended family members, uh, educating kids and all of that. And so, um, It's a privilege that I have and being in America is a great privilege Um, and being especially able to partner with the church in America from all across the divide. I mean, the white church and the African-American church and the ethnic churches, you know, that are anchored in the uh, immigrant communities, you know all of them working together. It's a huge blessing. Um, And then, you know, just being here, serving uh, the city. uh, As I mentioned, you know, we have this initiative called Merge Twin Cities where we are working with um, the churches from all across ethnic backgrounds, over 100 different ethnic backgrounds, uh, to minister to the city and to reach people in these ethnic enclaves uh, with the message and the love of Christ. And seeing um, God's grace uh, help us to be able to work together in a very divided environment, uh, bringing a message of hope and reconciliation uh, that bridges the gap, even, you know, with the African-American and the Anglo or the white American and the, you know, Latino American or the Filipino American, the Hmong American, the Hispanic American. Um, it, it's a true blessing. It's a, it's a great uh you know, joy, uh, an experience that I couldn't have had just being in my own little African village uh, where I grew up. And so it has opened my mind tremendously uh, to engage with all these nationalities and peoples. Uh, and it's a very unique characteristic of being in America today.
0: Yeah, and I think Sam so. I mean, just having to um, sit next to you and listen to you talk, um, I think if there's anyone out there that is trying to discover their purpose, they need to transform their life or I can't do these things. Just listen to this uh, small boy from this African village as to how eloquent he is when he talks and everything that he's accomplished. I think you're you're a you're a living testimony, Sam, as to what can be what can be achieved here if you if you believe and, and you sort of go with the right spirit, the right mindset and, and have faith in yourself. That is quite often which we don't see in a lot of our, our young people today having faith in themselves. So Sammy, as we wrap up the second part of this conversation, maybe there's future podcasts in this because we, we could go for hours, <laughs> but it's been, you know, great. Um, listen to part of your testimony. You share in some of the projects that you're working with and just getting to know you better. Mm-hmm. So I guess in relation to Merge and Shine, what's the best way for people to get hold of you?
1: Well, we uh, you can uh, get a hold of us uh, through our social media, um, uh, Instagram, you know, at Merge Twin Cities. Uh, same with Facebook at Merge Twin Cities, um, but then also through our website, uh, MajTwinCities.org uh, and shine in the Um and or you can just Google me, Dr. Sammy Wanyoni and uh, we have got to
0: know how to spell to... it now. you going well, I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> you will have oh. to spell it. So that's no, it right. But you know, it's been a an honor and a privilege to talk to you. And I would say that if anyone's listening to this, you know, if this has resonated with you, you know, please share it with people in your in your network. If there's someone that you feel might be struggling right now, and anything that Sammy has said is going to help them, again, you know, please share it with your your network i really believe that through the powerful words that sammy's spoken about in part one and part two that people's lives are going to be transformed so um sammy thank you very much for for joining me today
1: thank you for having on your podcast it's such a wonderful blessing to join you today
0: thank you for joining the who i became podcast to help spread this inspiring story be sure to share it with your friends hit the like button and of course subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you, so leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to Simon Osimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.